This is Generation Education. Join educator Ruth Baynott Mondays at 11 a.m. as she explores modern parenting, physical, emotional, and social development from pregnancy through adulthood. Mondays at 11 a.m. right here on 101.9 High FM. So we've been chatting with Menachem K. about money consciousness and teaching kids the responsibility of money. What about also teaching kids responsibility and kids and pets? And I know they sound like two very different topics, but in actual fact, money and pets is kids learning about responsibility. And it's something that is so important for us to teach our kids. So I have with me today Samantha, and Samantha, she is founder and director of Kitty and Puppy Haven, which is a pro-life sanctuary started in 2000 with the sole purpose of rescuing animals. So welcome, Samantha. So lovely to have you here. Thank you so much. So Samantha, we're talking about kids and pets, and everybody loves well, I assume everybody loves dogs and cats and whatnot. Is it a good idea for a parent to get a pet for their child? Yes and no. Um, first, let's start with your money and responsibility. Now, money and responsibility and pets all actually go hand in hand because your pets cost you a lot of money. You've got to remember keeping them in prime condition, which is your veterinary. The same as you'd take your kids to a doctor, your animal needs to go to a vet quite often. Feeding is also expensive. So, you know, your money option also comes in there. Now, giving kids pets can be the most incredible thing you can do for a child if it's the right scenario. You know, there are quite a few things you need to look at before you just merrily get a pet for the family. The first thing you need to look at is what kind of pet are you looking at? Does this animal fit into your lifestyle? Is it what you're looking for? You can't just look at an animal, a dog, and go, wow, that was amazing. I saw 101 Dalmatians, and now I'm going to get a Dalmatian. You need to actually look into every aspect. How much energy does the animal have? Um, Is it a pack animal? Will it fit in with the family? So as I say, there's so many variables on bringing a new family member in. Right, and obviously the most popular pet is a dog or a cat. What about those more exotic pets? Is it something that you would recommend for a parent to get for their child? Well, look, first of all, age comes into it very, very hectically with cats, dogs, or exotics. But with exotics, you really need to know what you're doing. And you've got to be very financially stable because your exotics cost an absolute fortune. By the time you've finished getting everything that you need for them, from your terraniums and your heat pads and your cooling pads and your, your different foods, um, the vets are also very far and few between. So as long as you are ready to take that, that hit financially, and also um, they take a lot of, lot of care, so you've got to know about them. You also have to see if they are legal in the country because a lot of people sell animals that actually require permits. So I'd advise people to really do their homework before Mm -hmm. looking at any kind of exotic pet. And I wouldn't give any exotic pets to anyone under 16, 17 at the least. Talking about kids and responsibility. Now, a new pet is introduced into the home. Let's say the kid is whatever age, five years old, 10 year old, whatever. 
and parent has gotten that pet as for the child, at the end of the day, can we expect our kid to be able to remember to feed the pet, to walk the pet, clean water? What are your views on that? <laughs> Sorry, but I have to laugh because I have a 16 and a 14-year-old son. And they were both born into the sanctuary because they were born long after Kitty and Puppy Haven was established. And as much as my kids love our animals and we have a menagerie of our own pets. Plus, remember Kitty and Puppy Haven first started in my house. Um, if my kids aren't responsible, I don't know many people's kids that will be. They love their animals. They tell me when the animals are sick, but responsibility? No. Um, the parent takes full responsibility. You need to accept that. You cannot think your child is going to take responsibility for an animal. Would you give your child your baby and say, okay, you're in charge of the baby? No, you wouldn't. So why would you do that with your animal? Your animal is a baby. It's, it's a human, not a human. Okay. It's a sentient being. Um, it yeah. needs to be looked after. So your kids can love a door, walk it. But when it comes to feeding it, medicating it, good luck in even getting them to pick up the poo. I wish you the best. <laughs> well, once again, you could offer them financial incentive. There we go, you know, bringing the financial. <laughs> um, been there, tried that, even offered to keep them alive. And that didn't work. So um, now, the minute they see a cat or a dog starting to retch, like that vomit sound, you know, that sound that we all yes, wake up we all know and I want yes. my cat run out of the room. So far, screaming, ma! So I don't know. I think you've got to, the parent has to understand that what it can do for the child is incredible because it becomes the child's best friend. It becomes their confidence. It gives them that sense of it's not all about them. So it teaches them so much compassion and empathy. So it is incredible for a child. But if they're doing it to teach the child responsibility, I don't think that's what you should be looking at when you're looking at a pet. You know, look at a pet to give your child that special person in their lives. Because a child does love that. They speak to their animal. They tell, they tell their animal everything that they can't tell us. And they're also able to show that animal affection that as they get older, a lot of kids um, step away from showing us affection. It's not the right thing to do, you know, like we're a teenager now. <laughs> and that is when it is so, so important to have that little best friend that's non-judgmental, that's there for anything and everything. You know, your first heartbreak, your first day at school, yes. your first time you bullied, um, the first time you fall in love. There is nothing that an animal can't give you. And I mean, there's so much more than an animal gives you because it's non-judgmental. But I don't yeah. think as parents, we should look at bringing in a pet as a learning curve. It's more of an emotional support curve. Right. So essentially what, what you're saying is that actually the responsibility lies with the parent in order to look after the pet. And even though it might be the child's pet, the child's there to provide the love. And yes, they can see when mom or dad is feeding and walking the pet and they're learning how to look after a pet but most certainly don't have that responsibility or ability to be responsible at a young age. The other thing I wanted to ask you, Samantha, which you mentioned, and it's actually such a good point, 
We're talking about loving that pet and children interacting with the pet. When we talk about kids interacting with the pets, what are do's and don'ts in terms of, you know, you hear these stories of a dog having bitten a child or a cat that scratches or lashes out. Can you advise us on that? It's all about boundaries. It really is. I mean, and your kids have to be taught boundaries. They don't understand. Kids don't really have great boundaries. So a kid won't understand that he can't throw his arms around a dog and put his face in the dog's face. Till that dog knows him one million percent. A kid can't jump on the back of a dog and start riding him. You know, and that's where I blame the parents because they've got to, like, explain to that child the boundaries. Also, they can't carry around an animal all the time because if a cat doesn't want to be carried, as you know, it's going to lash out at you. So it's all about respect and understanding that you are dealing with you know, with an animal, I mean, they don't lash out because they want to hurt you. They, they will respond because they're scared or you in their space. So it's all about teaching kids all about your space and what to, how close you can get. I mean, they'd have the same situation if they went to another child and ran up to another child and started hugging it or jumping on its back. The child would respond the same way. So I don't know why we get a fright. When it's a dog or a cat. And I keep harping on about parents, but it really does all boil down to adult supervision. I mean, that's why we send our kids to school for supervision. It's the same thing on bringing anything in. As I said to you earlier, like with a baby, would you just give your child your newborn baby and say, here you go. And as so many of us do refer to our pets as our fur babies, I mean, I know that my dog is a part of my home. He's essentially, he's there all the time. And I never think of him as an extension or as an extra. He just is part of the family. So what I actually also then wanted to ask you is, is now the parent has decided we are going to get a pet. What would you recommend? First of all, they're deciding between cat and dog. Would you say one is better than the other or does it depend on the household? Uh, well, let's discuss that first, cat versus okay, dog. it depends on the household. It really does. It depends on who's home, who's going to be looking after it. Um, In a flat, there's no ways you should be putting a dog. I know they do it overseas, but we're in South Africa and we've got gardens. Second of all, when you're looking at a dog, you've got to look at the energy levels of the dog. I find that... Cats are much easier, but that's me. But for, for boys, on the other hand, there's nothing better than a, than a dog. So it's, it's like, it literally depends on the family, um, on the home environment, on the amount of exercise and energy levels that you're going to put in. I'm a big believer in adults and not kittens and puppies with children. I'm mm. a huge believer in adults or teenagers. I don't believe in young kittens and young puppies with kids by any means. You don't know what you're getting. Whereas when you go for a teenager or an adult, you know the personality. It's not going to change. Whereas with a puppy or a kitten, it does change. And there's also a lot of work a puppy and a kitten. I mean, people forget (laughs) that you have to do the potty training or whatever one refers to as that. And it is, you're taking them out all the time and and they they need 24-hour care. Well, that's why I always say to people, having a puppy is literally having a two-year-old toddler. Because a puppy is huge work. 
a kitten isn't as much, but the point is with young kids, they can be skitty. And that's why, you know, adults settle better than, than kittens and puppies, to be honest, because they just know and they fit in so much easier and you can trust them. I would yeah. never put puppy or young kitten with a small kid. I just don't think it's worth it because by the time they've been bitten the first time, because they're all going to get bitten, the, the animal's teething. And then the, yes. the kid gets upset and then the puppy gets hysterical and you never get that bond. Whereas put a two-year-old lab sitting down next to your kid. Oh my God, the lab's in love. The kid's in love. You can trust both of them together. The lab's not going to chew. I mean, I'm saying a lab. It's any dog, really. It's not going to suddenly start feeding on your child's fingers and toes. And I think that's the most important thing. So you actually brought up such a good point there when you said a lab. We do know that there are less temperamental and more family-friendly dogs. What dog would you recommend as that family-friendly dog? Okay. I would never recommend Duxies, Dachshunds. I would never recommend Yorkies. I would never recommend your Chihuahuas. And those are like single people dogs or retired people dogs or gay people dogs. They're, they're babies. They're not dogs. <laughs> Whereas yes. for your mixed breeds, listen, I'm the queen of them. I love my small breeds. When you go for your mixed breeds or your labs or your jackies, you know, like a dog dog. Those are incredible with families. And it doesn't have to be a breed. You know, this nonsense of a lab. I mean, okay, a lab cross. Any kind, Your medium and your large breed dogs are generally the best dogs with families. I've got this large breed. I always call him my galumph. And but he, Yes. But he is this gentle giant. He's more scared of everyone else than they, you know, everyone's scared of him, but he's actually more scared of them. And as a family dog, he is just incredible. It's actually, I always say, yes, and I always say that having a big dog, I suddenly realize what it is to have an actual dog. Whereas before when I had a small dog, it was like, I almost felt like I had a chaff chaff dog. So now moving on to cats. I mean, every day you get your cat lovers, your dog lovers. First of all, what about a family that has dogs and now wants to introduce a cat? Okay. First of all, your biggest issue there is if a dog is not introduced within the first three months of its life to a cat, you have an issue. They see it as prey. You know, dogs that are two, three years old and you've decided you want to bring in a kitten, we will immediately say, hmm, not a great idea because it's prey. You know what I mean? It's a learned prey drive. It's the same as cats. If they're brought up with mice or hamsters, they're fine. Bring one in when it's an adult cat and they're going to try and kill it. And everyone says, no, you don't understand my dog. Okay, maybe your dog is one in a million. But the point is we understand dogs. And it's very, very, very difficult to bring in. We always say to people, bring in your cats first. Bring in your cats. Cats and dogs can live beautifully together if they grow up together. But to introduce a cat or a kitten to a dog that has never seen one, the prey instinct, it's there and you, you could be asking for the most revolting thing. I mean, do you want your kids to witness your beloved dog that you love more than anything in the world killing a kitten? Because you don't know which way to go. Do you blame the dog or do you still love the dog? It's very traumatic. So stay away from situations like that. Right. That's great advice. Tell me also, in terms of getting a small pet, um, so 
when you want to introduce, let's say, another dog into the family. So you've got one introducing a second or third dog. How do you, does a parent go about that? It's easy. They must go to a reputable shelter and the people must be able to tell them what to do. I mean, we very, very in tune with the family. You know, it's not about just homing a dog. To us, it's got to fit in with the family. I mean, I've had people come to me that have got a, a 12-year-old dog that's dying and they say, no, they want to get a puppy. And I'm like, no, your poor dog, let, let your dog live out the rest of its life happily. It's got another year or two. You don't bring a puppy in. Whereas people come in, they've got a one, two, three, four, whatever, young dog that they want a puppy for. Brilliant. We'll advise them. We'll tell them to bring their dog. We do meet and greets because you've got to go by the characters of each dog. You've got to see that they actually accept each other. You don't always see love immediately but you do see hate or indifference. You don't always see love immediately, but you do see intolerance. And the minute there's intolerance, you step away. That is a major thing. So you need to take advice. And, you know, people are always like, oh, I want girls. Two girls are your worst option you can have. I'd rather have five boys than two girls. Your girls are so bitchy and so aggressive. You know, it's the same as any profession. I'm not a plumber or an electrician. I'm not going to tell you what to do. So take it from where it comes because people aren't doing it to be nasty or to not give you your way. They're doing it to give you advice and make it the easiest possible for your animals, for the animal coming in and for your family. You know, no one wants a disaster. So at the end of the day, you try to to fit everything, you know, all the pieces together so that they meld easily. Right. So, Samantha, it's such great advice that you've given. And before we actually sign off, can you just quickly give us a little bit of info about Kitty and Puppy Haven? Um, I started my sanctuary, God, this year will be 22 years in December. I started it as a rescue um, rehabilitation sanctuary for injured, abused, and neglected animals because nobody was actually doing it at that time, to be honest. Um, you know, there was an SPCA kind of thing, and that, that was as far as it went. So, Whereabouts are you based? We're in Midrand. Uh, I bought the property for Kitty and Puppy Haven seven years ago, and we've got a beautiful property in Midrand. And if and, people want um, to pop past and visit your property or come and view the pet, tell us a little bit about that. Okay, well, because of COVID, um, there are no pop-ins, to be honest. But if they want to follow us, follow us on our Facebook page. Just look up Kitty and Puppy Haven. It's got a huge following there. It gives you our hours, our phone numbers, our email address. Everything's on there. And um, normally under our banner is about 300 animals every month in the sanctuary. I'm going through rehab waiting to to be adopted. Oh, that is so fantastic. So we've been chatting with Samantha Berger from Kitty and Puppy Haven. Please give Kitty and Puppy Haven a call. Go check out the animals and get advice whether your home and your kids are the right environment for getting a pet. Thank you so much for your time, Samantha. It's been fantastic chatting with you. Only a pleasure.